0: this is storybeat storytellers on storytelling an exploration into how master storytellers and artists develop and build brilliant stories and works of art that people everywhere love and admire so join us as we discover how talented creators of all kinds find success in the worlds of imagination and entertainment here now is your host steve cutin Thanks for joining us on Story Beat. We're coming to you from the Steel City, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. If you like this podcast, please take a moment to give us a rating or review on whatever app or platform you're listening to. Your support helps us bring more great Story Beat episodes to you. Well, my guest today, Don Keezer, has been director of the Pittsburgh Film Office since 1994, dedicated to marketing the southwestern Pennsylvania 10-county region to the film and television and entertainment industry. Dawn put Southwestern Pennsylvania on the map for film and TV production. Through her leadership, the film office has successfully attracted over 180 feature film and TV productions, including Mindhunter, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, The Dark Knight Rises, and other notable productions include uh, Manhunt, Lone Wolf, I Am Not Okay With This, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, I'm Your Woman, and Sweet Girl. Don also played an instrumental role in the creation of Creativity and Focus, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania's film industry tax credit program, which launched in July 2006. Now in its 13th successful year, the tax credit program has allowed the film industry to grow substantially by providing thousands of family sustaining jobs to Pennsylvania residents and businesses. Don invented the Friends of the Film Office membership program, which encourages citizens and businesses in southwestern Pennsylvania to financially support the film office by raising awareness and knowledge of the film industry in Pittsburgh. She also developed the Lights Glamour Action Oscar Party. The gala, recently celebrating its 20th year, is consistently lauded as one of Pittsburgh's finest events. Industry professionals, regional celebrities, elected officials, and fans of TV and film alike gather to celebrate the film industry. This event raises operating funds for the Pittsburgh Film Office. Due to Don's efforts, Pittsburgh and the surrounding region are consistently among the top 10 locations in which to film in the United States. The film tax credit program continues to be the number one reason filmmakers are attracted to southwestern Pennsylvania. So for me, this is a truly wonderful honor to have the powerhouse, better known as Don Keezer, as my guest on StoryBeat today. Don, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here.
0: Oh, the, the honor is truly mine. Sorry. So let's go back to the beginning on all this. Where did your interest in movies and TV even begin? Was that as a kid?
1: Oh, I like movies and I've always liked TV. Uh, you know, I'm a kid that grew up watching a lot of television, but I'm really, at the heart of it, a salesperson. Ah. And um, I, I learned how to sell. And my first job was selling television advertising to personal injury attorneys. And I worked that into selling Santa Cruz, California both to tourists and to movie makers, and mm. then I came to Pittsburgh. So to me, it's all about selling one of the best places in the world, Southwestern PA, to everyone else who wants to come tell their stories. Here. Well,
0: you're not gonna get any argument with me out about, about Pittsburgh being one of the great places on, on the planet. I mean, this is, and and the locations and the things that are available here, which we'll get into in a little bit. So you what? how did you even get to this job? If you were in sales in California, you came to Pittsburgh, how did you wind up in the film office how does that happen
1: and given i've been here almost 26 years i asked myself that question a lot still too but um (laughs) because i lived at the beach i was in santa cruz and in california there's a film office in every single county Mm -hmm. and i think there's 56 counties in california and they're usually paired with either a chamber of commerce or a visitor's agency Mm -hmm. so in santa cruz i was the director of tourism and film commissioner for Santa Cruz County. And I'd been there for five years. I was on a bunch of state committees to market California and Pittsburgh was looking for a new film office director and they called me and said, would you talk to us? And I said, does it snow there? Then yeah, I'll talk to you, but I'm never coming there. Ever, (laughs) famous last words. and I'm thrilled I made the choice I made, and they made the choice they made. They had 156 applicants, I think, um, and I was lucky to be the chosen one. But for me, it was an opportunity to create my own program, have a standalone program, mm-hmm. unlike how they're running California, and really try to create something that puts Southwestern Pennsylvania on the map. Thankfully, it's worked. Because we've had a lot of help and a lot of support from our elected officials, the community, our amazing crew. And, yeah, we've been on a great roll until now. <laughs> you know, which we're, well, we're shut down like everyone else. But. Well,
0: we're, we're having this conversation because this, this show will run for a very long time to come. But we're having this conversation in the middle of the COVID pandemic in 2020. And clearly nobody's in production right now. So no, no we're in this country. Nowhere in the country, it's a very challenging time, and I know people are trying to figure out how to make it happen again. And there are all these rules and things that they're trying to figure out what to do, but nobody really knows yet, do they?
1: No, no one knows, and it's scary, you know, no one wants anyone to be unsafe. Um, so for sure. um, Lots of calls, lots of meetings every single day, but nobody has the answer yet. Hopefully soon. All right.
0: So let's talk about what the film office does, especially for our listeners who are completely, um, you know, they have no idea what goes on in a film office. What is it that you do? What's your principal function in the world?
1: Well, essentially, we're an economic development agency that markets all of southwestern Pennsylvania, which is 10 counties, to Mm -hmm. to the film industry. And that includes everything from the movies and TV, but also documentaries, corporate videos, commercials are a big part of what we do. And we help them find what they need be it locations, be it crew, be it, you know, a scary haunted house that sits next to a river. Uh, It depends on what they need, but we help them find, we're kind of the one-stop shop. We walk them through how to get permits in the various areas throughout our region, and we're really there to help the film companies, TV companies, and production companies get their work done, but also we help the community as well. We make sure the community is protected, that we don't have people, you know, being being bothered more than they typically would be by a traffic jam. <laughs>
0: well, well, let's, let's talk about how that operates, because I've been in this business for a very long time. And one of the things that happens in film production is crews come in and sort of take over an area or a street or a building or whatever it is they're shooting in. Part of your job then is just to try to keep the local community from tearing its hair out, because there's the, there are these people stomping on them, so to speak.
1: Absolutely. Look, it's a disruption. And we know that. And what's nice is we have so much local crew. So these are your friends and neighbors that work Mm -hmm. full time in this industry. So they're very respectful of being allowed the privilege to be in a neighborhood. But still, if you've got a movie happening in the house next door, it's a problem. So we try to make sure the rules are followed, the community's well aware of what's happening. They know where they're going to be allowed to park their car. um, And we really try to make it work. And thankfully, we haven't been overshot to the point where people in Pittsburgh go no more no more and make them go away we don't do that here um, we're very film friendly yes. in some cases they've had a block party in the case of Diabolique which filmed in the middle of Squirrel Hill the neighbors had a block party invited the cast and crew on The Temptations which goes way back those neighbors over in the south side they made cookies and took them to set so for the most part you know it's that film friendliness of Pittsburgh and the Pittsburgh friendliness as itself that's really you know helps sell people to come back like, oh they were great they were wonderful but we well, try to make it as well, not too bad
0: well i i lived in la for 35 years so i i understand the issues and a lot of people in los angeles are fed up with film crews and they just assume they go away but here it's such a thrill that the people are going who can we see what star can we see because invariably yes. there's somebody that comes in that's famous in some way. I mean, you've got Tom Hanks in town doing a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Everybody wants to see Tom Hanks. Um
1: everyone's telling Tom Cruise and everyone else. My favorite exactly. stories from LA are the people who come outside with their leaf blower and won't turn it <laughs> off until they're paid. <laughs> oh um, not goodness. that I'm giving anyone any ideas, but that doesn't happen here. In Pittsburgh, we're still excited.
0: You, you, you tend not to get complaints over this, yes?
1: No, we really don't. I mean, when they're doing something really obnoxious, you know, we closed on Mothman Prophecy. We closed that bridge in Catanning. Gosh, two full weeks. Um, Dark Knight Rises, we shut all of downtown down for almost Mm -hmm. 21 days (laughs) Mm -hmm. to let the Batmobile run around. So we've done some things that got in people's way, but for the most part, if you call our office and you've got a problem, it's your wedding, um, you're having a furniture delivery, you have oxygen needing to be delivered to your house, we can get you in touch with production. And they've always been very good about fixing those issues.
0: So you're sort of the grease on the sticky, the squeaky wheel.
1: Yes, for everybody.
0: For every, for both both sides, for both the production both side and for the community. Uh, right, we
1: walk, that, we walk down the middle for everybody.
0: And that takes all of the burden off the, the uh, unit production manager from having to figure out how to well some uprising in the street. You guys have already taken care of it to a certain extent
1: make sure they do the right thing, right? You know, we're, we're here for the community. And and the bottom line is we want them here. We want these companies here because they're hiring our people and they're spending a lot of money. Mm -hmm. We've totaled over $1.2 billion since 1995 in Southwestern Pennsylvania. That's all new money coming into the economy. Um, we don't use multipliers. We use the audited financial statements that are filed at the end of each show. So it's $1.2 billion. It's billion with a B. It's a huge economic, Injection into our economy is, when it's needed, you know, it's it's a really great revenue stream for our region.
0: Oh, it's an economic engine. There's no doubt, and and it also brings prestige to the city when um, when in fact uh, uh, residents can see um, famous people in their streets, and when uh, you can then go to a movie and see Pittsburgh on screen. That's even that's more always
1: amazing. the best, right? It, and I, I really love the very one of the first movies I saw here was Boys on the Side with Whoopi mm-hmm. Goldberg that's shot here, and they're going to. They're on the parkway and they said, Oh, we're going to Monroeville. It's going to take us half an hour. And then they pass a sign that says, You know, Monroeville, 2.5 miles, and everybody starts laughing. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's really fun to watch Pittsburgh movies with the Pittsburgh audience because they always catch when the car's going the wrong way or, you know, wait, you can't go that direction on that bridge. That kind of stuff is awesome. Well,
0: well, for sure. W- watching the Dark Knight Rises was disconcerting in the chase scene because he kept using uh, um, Smithfield Street. Multiple times in the same direction, and they kept making you think it was a different street. But it was going, this is very confusing for someone who knows what they're looking at.
1: Right. But, right. but,
0: but in fact, it was, you know, fantastically exciting to watch. Um, okay, so you've brought in 180 plus productions of some kind, whether it's TV or film, to the local community and all this time. Uh, about how many productions approach you every year that are interested?
1: Oh, wow. Well, in the, I used to explain my job that I would either call, I would usually call them, we'd read about something in the trades, we'd see something in the paper that, you know, Steve's going to make a movie. And, you know, let's call Steve and have him make his movie in Pittsburgh. Well, now everybody calls us, um, which is a kind of a nice place to be. But yeah. Um, Our film tax credit program, which has been extraordinarily successful, turned 15 years old this year. It's oversubscribed and underfunded. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have more applications than we can ever fund. So just in the last three weeks, probably, I'd say there's been 20 phone calls.
0: Oh, wow. Um,
1: We last year, I think our lost business totaled over $100 million. There were seven features and six television series that all wanted to be here that we didn't have tax credits for. And if you don't have some sort of incentive, because they can get it, and this is a mobile industry. You can go anywhere yep. you want in the entire world. You don't have, you're not tied to a building. You can go anywhere you want. And the incentives are a huge part of that. They went elsewhere. They didn't come here.
0: So, so and, there, are, there are very robust uh, tax credit programs in Georgia, in Louisiana, in other states. Not so much in California, though. I think they've tried to do some of that out there, but because so much production happens there.
1: Well, yeah, California's up to three hundred million, which is huge given compared to our seventy million.
0: Yes, Uh,
1: but there's there's so much work in California that that's like you know a drop the, in the bucket for them. It's
0: the center of the industry and we're not, we're, we're right. an outlier. Um, so, uh, you know, but you're saying that they're coming to even during COVID because they're trying to set up production coming down the road. Look,
1: you know, for a long time, Southwestern PA's COVID numbers were super low. Yeah. And it was a selling point, right? Like, look, you know, we're safe here, come. It's unfortunately still not the case. And we also don't have enough permanent infrastructure. We don't have sound stages where they can go and set up shop. We're still using repurposed warehouses. It's been a long time goal to get some some established infrastructure built and hopefully one day soon that's going to happen. But yeah, people are calling because they know our crew. They know our reputation. They know we can get stuff done here. And they like working here. It's a lot of repeat business. I mean, Netflix has become one of our biggest customers, Mm. which is great because they're one of the biggest companies now providing production and entertainment for the world.
0: And as you say, we have outstanding crew people here. Top, top professionals. There's no, no doubt about that.
1: Oh, our crew is, is, is literally some of the best in the world. And when they weren't filming in Pittsburgh, they would be taken other places back mm-hmm. in the day before the credits. We, we were lucky to do one or two shows a year. So people would come and those producers would hire them and take them everywhere
0: mm-hmm. because
1: they're so good and they're so talented so, and so we keep growing them.
0: Let's talk about those tax credits. One just to, to clarify for the listeners who don't know what that's all about. What do the tax credits do for production?
1: A film tax credit is you get a 25% credit based on spending a minimum of 60% of your budget in the Commonwealth. We mm. give you a credit. It's a certificate. So how it works is if you have a $10 million movie, because I like nice round numbers, you have to spend a minimum of $6 million, 60%, to earn a tax credit certificate of $2.5 million. Right? If you spend all $10 million here, you have to spend a minimum of six you're going to get 25% back. It's like giving you a quarter back on every dollar you spend while you're here. It has to be spent on Pennsylvania eligible expenses, which is anything you're paying a Pennsylvania tax on. So it's people, it's all your rentals and all your purchases. Mm -hmm. It's really all the spend you do at Pennsylvania companies, which are required to receive the tax credit. So it's
0: restaurants, it's hotels, it's car rentals, it's all those things
1: office supplies, water, bottles of water, everything you buy locally, everything you buy from a Pennsylvania company or rent from a Pennsylvania company, you get 25 cents back on your dollar that you spent.
0: And thus why you're able to generate one point so many odd billions of dollars of of revenue to the local economy.
1: Exactly. We spend, the Commonwealth spends 70 million now a year on this program. Last year, we brought in 150 million in that same 12 month span of time.
0: So So it's a pretty good return. Is one of your jobs to try to influence the state legislature to increase that number?
1: I spend a lot of time talking with our legislators in Pennsylvania. Yes, I do. I'm a registered lobbyist. We have a lobbying team as well. But, you know, now what's nice is they get it. You know, in the early days, trying to have them understand this program, because it's hard and it's never easy to talk about tax credits. People don't get it. Because the important part about this program is, yes, we're going to commit and give you this $2.5 million back on our $10 million movie. But first, you have to make the movie. First you. second, you have to spend all $10 million to get it. Third, you have to be audited by an outside auditor to prove you spent the $10 million on eligible expenses in Pennsylvania. And then your paperwork goes to the Department of Revenue, Department of Community and Economic Development. So it's 12 to 18 months after you've started this project. You finally get through all this process. We know every dime you've spent. We know mm-hmm. where you spent it, we know who. And then they get a certificate that takes 2.5 million off the taxes they owe to the Commonwealth. So I'm confident as a Pennsylvania taxpayer, as should everyone, that they're getting a great return because we know everywhere they spent this money. Yeah, we no, have every single piece of it. So it's a really and it's putting people to work and helping small businesses stay afloat. And really, it's, it's, it works. We just need more money in the program. So and that's I've, what I spend most of my time explaining to legislators.
0: Uh, sure. That makes sense. I, I, I think the key word in there is incentive. It's a real incentive for productions to want to come here. What do the, do the ones that aren't able to, to get to taken advantage of it because there's none left at the end of a certain period, do they just go away or do some of them still come in here and shoot anyway?
1: They go away. My favorite is that uh, Manhunt, which is a Lionsgate film, uh, the Lionsgate television series. They were here last year. Mm-hmm. They did the first episode, the first season was a, in, where did they set it? I don't remember exactly where it was set, but season one of Manhunt, they wanted to be here. We were out of money. So they went to Atlanta, Georgia. You brought us Georgia. They have yeah. a 30% uncapped tax credit. Wow. Pennsylvania, 25% capped at $70 million hard to compete. We were out of money. They went to Georgia. Season two, they came back to Pennsylvania. They got their application in early. They came early. My favorite part of it, though, it was a recreation of the 1996 bombing of the Olympics in Mm -hmm. Atlanta, Georgia. So they left Georgia and came to Pennsylvania to recreate (laughs) Georgia.
0: (laughs) Oh, I love, uh, love how Pittsburgh stands in for so many different places.
1: Well, and I never would have thought in a million years we could look like Atlanta, Georgia, but we pulled it off and uh, and they want to come back for season three. So yeah, they leave, they go other places because they can right? Remember, mobile industry, they can go wherever they want. But a lot of them want to be here. And we're hoping we can, you know, establish more permanent relationships with some of those companies.
0: Well, there's no no doubt. I want to cover the locations in Pittsburgh for a moment here. Um, Pittsburgh has this remarkable ability to stand in for a whole lot of different places and times. And that's in key times as well, that we have older Um, buildings that go back to the 1900s. We have brand new modern buildings in downtown Pittsburgh. We have modern buildings in the uh, exurbs. But then we can also 15, 20 minutes away, you're out in farm country and you've got mountains and and the three rivers and uh, sports uh, arenas and so on. So Pittsburgh has this really great ability to stand in for a lot of places. I assume that's one of the attractors.
1: Yeah, we tell people, look, we can double for anything as long as you don't need a beach or a desert. Two things were missing. Mm -hmm. Although for Warrior, the movie Warrior, we used the uh, Century 3 Mall and turned it into Iraq. So we can kind of do the desert if you (laughs) squint a little bit. Um, And then we can send people up to Erie to do the beach. But other than that, we've done the Ukraine. We've done Paris. We've done San Francisco. I get in trouble for saying this, but we do New York better than New York does. Because (laughs) when you film in New York, you don't get to stop the traffic you have to drive your scenes with the traffic in pittsburgh we will shut the traffic down, so i say it's easier because we we've done new york so much that's probably our most requested we call it doubling but the most double that we do is at new york
0: well that makes sense and and i you know i've i've often said to people and they look at me like are you crazy but i'm i don't think i am <laughs> or, or maybe i am a little um that, that when you walk through downtown pittsburgh it's not New York, clearly, but it has a sense of New York. It has the, the, con- the steel canyons, the concrete canyons um, that you walk through, and it has a feeling of New York without it being New York. So I think that's what you're taking advantage
1: of. Uh, exactly. That's exactly what it is. And you go over to the north side, you've got all those walk-up brownstones that look just like you're in Brooklyn. It, it's, uh, you know, it's perfect. All so.
0: right. So production has decided, we want to shoot in Pittsburgh. We know about this tax credit. Um, What's the first thing that happens? How does the process work?
1: Um, They call us, and usually me, and say, there's only three people that work at the film office, so it's not like we have some huge staff of people. (laughs) Um, I usually am the one speaking to the production companies directly. Hey, I've got this movie. It's about a deserted farmhouse next to urban New York. Um, No, wait, I'll start over. How this typically works is they've called, and the first question always is, do you have any money left in the program? Mm-hmm. It's always about what film tax credits are there. That's sure. the first question. Sure, it's all about money. Uh, it used to be locations, now it's about money. So first, of is there any money left in the program? Second is, okay, I've got this deserted farmhouse next to an urban center, what do you have? And then we have a location library that has over 50,000 digital images of Southwestern Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. So we pull from the files and send them. In the old days, I used to tell you we'd have a package on your desk in 24 hours because we'd use FedEx and they were manila folders filled with real photographs and we'd send them out. Now we can pretty much do it in 24 minutes, depending on how difficult it is pulling from our files. And if in the case of a farmhouse, they ask for we send them 20 farmhouses because we have them. Mm-hmm. If we're missing something that we don't have great coverage of, we call one of our 20 local location scouts and say, hey, do you have time to run out and get us you know, urban decay? We need some urban decay shots. and We'll have a local person go shoot those and we'll send them. So once they've reviewed the photographs, they like what they see, They'll usually get on a plane, they'll come to Pittsburgh, we help them get set up so they've got a place to stay and we usually drive them around or have someone drive them around to see the locations we picked that they thought they liked. They then say, this is great, so then they start hiring people. They hire their own location manager, their own location scouts, they set up an office, they they go and tour the different hotels, we set that up so they can figure out where they wanna live And we help them figure out where to get the copy machine delivered from and who's got the bottled water and all those things. We have a strong vendor list and a strong vendor community here in the region, a strong crew we've already talked about. And then they put their deal together. And then we're there every step of the way, helping them get the permits, depending on where they're filming, and get them through production. We're the ones who communicate a lot with the local traffic reporters. So if we're going to (laughs) be shooting on Grant Street, we want people to know because you may not live there, but you may drive that way to work. So we try to get that out via the press because on Inspector Gadget, we shut the now Roberta Clemente Bridge, it was called the Sixth Street Bridge. That was shut for 27 days. Wow. And um, the story, and that's a Disney movie. If you haven't seen it, Inspector Gadget's the best 91 minute film with Pittsburgh as the background you'll ever see because they do all this helicopter work so low and they shoot everywhere but they had asked if they could close the bridge for three days. And I said, yes, I don't have the power to say yes, but I just said, yes, I figured I could get that done. And they said, well, do you think we could do seven days? And I said, um, yeah, we, we should be able to make that work. Then it went to 10 and I said, yeah, I got to call the mayor. And that was mayor Murphy at the time. And mm-hmm. then we ended up doing for 27 days and we got international press because we shut that bridge for this movie. But nobody else in the world would do it, right? And what they didn't understand from Pittsburgh is, yeah, we closed the 6th Street Bridge, but we have 7th and 9th there.
0: I was going to say, you have, you have alternatives right <laughs> but there. But we didn't
1: tell people that. But what we learned is, yeah, we put all this press out. And we told everybody the bridge is going to be closed. We didn't reach the people who walk across the bridge so that you know that's a big walk right if you 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 know it's you're adding two blocks on either side so thankfully disney was very kind and they set up a shuttle service so we had Mm. a teamster driving a van they'd see people walking they'd go run them around the bridges but you learn things about that so we always try to get the press out and get signage up so people know what we're doing the (laughs) closure
0: would you say you're talking about permits and so on would you say one of the biggest and most important parts of the job is dealing with the governments that you're the local governments
1: yeah, I mean, it's nice that we know them, and we've got a great working relationship with all of them, and they believe in us, and they trust in what we're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, the city's been really great. They've got a whole special events department. We do a meeting at before production starts with everybody on the bigger projects. So police is there, fire, EMS, special events. Like, anyone who's going to be at the, any city department, they're all in that room. Mm-hmm. So we can walk through the whole thing when they're like, yeah, we're going to film in PNC Park. The Pirates aren't playing, and, someone from special events going, yeah, but there's a run on that river trail. So it's just to make sure everyone's communicating. And that's the key. I mean, Rich Fitzgerald's been a huge supporter back to even when he was on County Council versus now he's the County Executive. Uh, Mayor Peduto has been great. Um, And then our state legislators, Senator Costa, Senator Fontana, they've always been super supportive. So it's that communication. And the good news is they trust in what the film office is doing. And they know that we're always working both to bring in the money, but to also take care of the community. So, yeah, it's just walking that fine line and making sure communication. It's all about the planning and communication.
0: Well, you've obviously built that trust. It didn't just happen in a flash. Um, you've had so many productions come in and ha- haven't screwed the city up so badly that people are really ticked off. So
1: uh, <laughs> fingers that, crossed that continues. But. <laughs> of course. of
0: course. So, so I'm trying to remember, was it called Abduction? Was that the movie that shot that was PNC? Yes. Yeah,
1: that,
0: that was John Singleton, wasn't it?
1: Yes. And uh, Taylor, whatever uh, Taylor's last name is, the guy from Twilight.
0: Yes. I'm trying to remember Taylor's last name too. Uh,
1: Laughlin, <laughs> Laughlin. No, no. no, what is it? No, no. I don't know.
0: Well, but the funny
1: the funny story about that one is I moved, I live in Mount Lebanon now. I was in LA and then I came back. And now I live in Mount Lebanon in the Virginia Manor neighborhood, which is where they shot abduction. Huh. And that's where they had the house where it was supposed to be a pretend blow up and then a piece of the real house blew up.
0: Oh, is that That's right? around the
1: corner from my house. Yeah, oh so the neighbors goodness. weren't really excited when I moved in.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're that woman that brought exactly. in the explosion. Yeah. yeah.
1: Do, but their house it, is fixed. Nobody got hurt. Everything's fine. It,
0: have you had major productions try to come into town and not deal with your office?
1: Not major productions, no. Little ones. No. Little ones. Um, the, it's a real tip-off for people. If they haven't spoken to the film office, they're trying to do something shady. Mm. Um, it's And it hasn't happened in years. In the old days, there used to be, you know, run and gun productions where they try sure. to sneak in and, you know, let's shut down Grand Street and not tell anyone and do that kind of stuff. Um, but the smart ones call the film office because we're not here to cause problems. We're here to help you and sure. to make sure it all goes well. But um, no, the bigger ones, sometimes are smaller shows that are local. Everybody's local, so they don't think they need to talk to the film office. But typically they call and check in. So that we know, because otherwise someone will call going, hey, there's someone on my street. What are they doing? And it's better that there's some central clearinghouse that someone knows. But major shows, no, they always call.
0: And and so and obviously student productions don't really come to you that often.
1: No, but we have a great working relationship. We started um, two years ago now working with all seven of the local universities and colleges that have film programs. Who knew we had seven? Uh, and what's been super fun is getting them all together in a room, all those directors. So Point Park, of course, and Chatham and Duquesne and um, Robert Morris and LaRoche and Allegheny, CCAC, Community LaRoche. College of Allegheny County and CMU and University of Pittsburgh. We all get together. So now we've got a much better relationship with the students. So I get questions from students. We get um, emails looking for locations. And look, we have big and small just the same. The difference being big ones I go looking for, small ones, we answer the phone, right? So if it's, you know, Lionsgate's doing another series that fits for Pittsburgh, I'm gonna track them down and see what they're doing. A student who calls and says, hey, how do I close the Smithfield Street Bridge? This is what I wanna do. We help them, we answer their questions. It's just, Mm -hmm. they gotta call us. But um, we help them with locations. We'll help them figure out how to do the permits. It's, uh, and we go (laughs) speak in the classes.
0: Uh, Well, I know you're very helpful um, because obviously some people know I've been teaching at Point Park University for a number of years now. And I know that the the film office comes in and helps to talk to students about how to do things smartly, not not uh, in a way that's, uh, you know, deconstructive to the city, which is not a good way to operate at all. Um, Do you find that uh, that folks that come into town are uh, amazed by what you guys do? Is it a is it always a positive? Does it ever, it never turn I re- can't imagine it turns into a negative very often.
1: We've, we've, look, we have a great reputation, um, which I'm really proud of. And it, we've, it we took a lot of years to build it and people know us and they trust us and they like to come to Pittsburgh and they know. And then, you know, my cell number gets passed along, called on, she'll make it all okay. Mm-hmm. Which is, this business is a relationship-based business.
0: Sure, sure. People
1: buy from people they know and if you think about who your relationships are with you know you you go to the people you trust if you're going to buy a new car and your next door neighbor sells cars and you like your next door neighbor you're going to go buy your car from her right Absolutely. you're not going to go buy it from a stranger and they know Pittsburgh now and they know they can trust us so yeah people people like us.
0: is there a cost to a production to deal with the film office
1: I wish no
0: <laughs> and so, so then how do you how are you funded then just through raising big money?
1: sales, car washes. Uh, no, our biggest, uh, we do a fundraiser. We're a 501c3 nonprofit, which mm-hmm. means you can write us checks and take it off your taxes. Right. Uh, we're supported by our local union crew, which is amazing. So every day they work, they contribute money from their paychecks directly to the operation of the film office. That covers mm-hmm. 10% of our operational funds. We throw a big party. Night before Oscar Night now lights glamor action, yeah. uh, which is supported corporately and individually, so we ra- but we're raising money all the time. Um, I get a small grant from Allegheny County, I get a couple small grants from the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, and we sort of cobble it all together. But our entire operating budget is 700,000. I have a full-time staff of three, and each year for the last five years, we've topped 150 million in new revenue for wow. the region. So we do a lot of work off 70. 70- of uh, $700,000.
0: And again, for filmmakers to understand, it's no cost to them to come to you.
1: No, we're here to help. We're a free service, kind of like a chamber of commerce. Um, right. and we don't, you know, it's just, it's, we're here to help.
0: Right. So, all right, do you get involved in any of the creative aspects of shows? Do you vet scripts
1: or anything like that? Uh, we read scripts for locations. For locations, uh, primarily. Yeah. Have, have you had
0: scripts. Have you ever had one presented to you that was good, dicey in some way, pornographic, or so violent they're crazy, or anything like that?
1: Oh, I've read some really crazy stuff. But the um, the film tax credit program, you're allowed to shoot pornography in Pennsylvania. We won't give you tax credits for it. It's explicitly in the law, no tax credits mm, for porn. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't, we don't usually have those, but there's been some, you know, there's questionable language, there's questionable scenes, but you know, those are all first amendment deals. We want them here spending the money hiring the crew so we don't really get involved my rule of thumb for everyone because i get a lot of people asking me to read their script going here i want to know what you think and i'm like here's the deal if i really like it it's never going to make any money because the stuff i really like is bad the stuff that does that i can't stand and i'll just say it it's my bloody valentine 3d um that was the first 3d movie i'm not a horror fan right and um, even though Russ is my board chair who created Night of the Living Dead. Um, but that's a different kind of horror. But my Bloody Valentine 3D, they were spending $10 million to make this movie. And I'm like, why? And then it went on to make, I don't know, $300 million or something. <laughs> so I'm not that, a good judge for that's
0: that. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So so I'm curious on, on two ends of things. Um, what do the best productions do to make your job easier for them? And conversely, what do productions do that make your job harder that they shouldn't do, or maybe should do differently?
1: I'm going to answer them in reverse. The thing they do harder is they lie. Mm. Um, you know, they're not completely honest. Now, sometimes they don't do it intentionally. Sometimes things change. Um, but I have this conversation with every producer that comes in. I can be your best friend or I can be your worst nightmare. Um, be honest up front. tell us the story. If you're going to move or you've got to do this type of production, or you're really going to be there at two o'clock in the morning, setting off live gunfire, we need to know. Right. Um, but being honest and upfront, it's really the key as it is in most people's lives, right? Like there's no point being any different, but being honest is, is really key. And then the best thing they do is they, they have enough time. Planning is key we'll go back to dark Knight rises i mean they planned that shoot which was only 21 days they only shot in pittsburgh for 21 days they spent 12 million dollars in 21 days by yeah, the way big. Um, but they planned it for six months they had wow. six months to make sure they knew every merchant on every street they were filming every building owner that we communicated with everyone and not everyone's going to have six months of time but it's the time you need to put in so you can plan appropriately. So you're not becoming a pest, right? You're not some problem for the people who live and work in that neighborhood. And they were like the best example of that. But having adequate prep time is key, key, mm-hmm. key, key.
0: I think that's key for the success of pretty much any production is to be as well-planned as you can. And it doesn't matter how big or small you are, but the bigger you are, the more important it becomes. When when uh, they were shooting Dark Knight here, um, I I mean, like I said, I was in LA for a long, long time. I never saw that many production trucks on the streets ever in Los Angeles. It was gigantic. It was blocks and blocks and blocks of trucks.
1: Well, I'll tell you another funny, that story. We have so many stories about that movie, but um, I had called the Chicago Film Office. There's only 300 people that do my job. We all know each other. Mm -hmm. And if we don't know each other, we can call up and say, hi, I'm in Pittsburgh. And we can talk. But I knew, my friend ran the Chicago Film Office. He's since retired. But I called them, I said, oh my God, how do you do this? They're coming. They hadn't told Chicago they weren't coming back for the next one, because they'd done their first two in Chicago. In Chicago. So I'm the one yeah. who got to tell them. But I said, how do you, do- I don't know how to do this because you know, they want to shut down so many streets and, so- and they were huge. That's the biggest movie we've ever done. Thankfully, Thomas Tall, who's a minority owner of the um, Pittsburgh Steelers, who now lives in Pittsburgh, former president and CEO of Legendary Entertainment, he was part of that whole movie. And he's like, look, now we've proven Pittsburgh can do the hundred plus million dollar movie. Um, So then we got looked at for a lot of other stuff, but it really, it helped put us on the map that we were able to do so much, but you're right. That show, that footprint of that show was just massive. It was
0: massive. I mean, it was many, many blocks where you just drove and there'd be just trucks taking up every (laughs) square inch of every block on the street. And you're thinking this is the biggest production I've ever seen. Uh, You know, I imagine it's one of the biggest that's ever been in existence. That was gigantic.
1: It was, it went, they went to five countries. My favorite, statistic from Dark Knight, other than the 12 million in 21 days, they dropped the unemployment rate in Allegheny County, one full percentage point oh, the wow. month of August, or month wow. of July. Uh, but you remember, we hired 10,000 people to wear their winter clothes and sit in Heinz Field.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it
1: dropped the unemployment rate one full percentage point.
0: And then they made it look like they destroyed Heinz Yeah,
1: that was so great. <laughs> it,
0: was, it was really quite cool. It really was quite cool. So a very important question for you. Um, you do not help productions raise money, do you?
1: No, never.
0: I think that's a really important thing for people to know because I'm going to guess that any number of productions have come to you and said, how can you help us raise money to make this movie?
1: Absolutely. And a lot of people, they'll call going, don't you have a list of people who want to invest in movies? I wish. Um, I also wish I had someone in development on my staff that could help people round out their scripts and figure out how to get them sold to Netflix and Amazon and everyone else. But right now, we're only focused on the uh, production of fully greenlit, meaning ready to go productions. you know, we can point you to different websites. We put those on our website, which is pghfilm.org, giving different resources. But we don't raise money for anyone other than the film
0: office. We'll make sure that that's on the site too. On on this uh, on this particular podcast. Okay. Um, okay. So. I imagine, and I can tell just from talking to you that you're an awesome pitcher. You're good at pitching stories at, or circumstances, or sales, or whatever you're doing. How much would you say of your job is pitching to people or being pitched to? How much of your job?
1: Oh, I think. Well, I'm telling the story about the incentives and the need for those a lot. So I'd probably say sixty percent. I'm 60%. probably. Sixty percent. Yeah, probably sixty percent.
0: And what would you say are the secrets to good pitching?
1: Honesty. I'm, I'm on my honesty theme today, I think. But uh, look, it's honest and you got to believe in what you're talking about. And you and you have to have knowledge. You know, the key to, to the key to all of it is believing in what you're saying. And I do believe in it. And I do believe that we've made a difference in southwestern Pennsylvania. I know we've created family sustaining jobs. And I know this industry matters to this local economy. So it's easy for me to tell those stories. But I think that's the key. And to be able to to be able to talk about it without reading from notes. So you have to know it, you have to believe in it, and you have to be honest about it.
0: So uh, um, how long did it take you when you were doing this job? Now you had it for how long in California, in the film
1: office there? I was in Santa Cruz for five years before I came here.
0: So you, you had a pretty good handle on what was involved in doing the job, and then you needed to learn Pittsburgh, yes? Correct. And so at what point, In California or in Pittsburgh, how long did it take you before you felt like you were actually pretty doggone good at it?
1: In Pittsburgh, uh, it took a long time because when I came here 26 years ago, it was before we had GPS. So um, my first Friday by myself, I got lost. I had two cell phones, my personal one and the one the office had. I couldn't, I couldn't get out. Uh, I couldn't get home. I couldn't figure it out. Um, <laughs> because, you know, nothing made sense. And when I first, they had me come in for a week to find a place to live. And I was staying at the Vista, which is now the Weston. The Weston Convention Center used to be the Vista. Those Bellmen were my heroes. I would call them and say, Okay, so here's where I'm at. And they would tell me how to get back. And one day I called and said, I'm on this yellow bridge. And they said, we don't have any yellow bridges because then they started messing with me. Um, You
0: got lots of yellow bridges.
1: Exactly. But I'm a pretty quick study on what the selling points are, right? Like I, I, I knew Pittsburgh pretty well. Now I can do it in my sleep, but I would tell, it probably took a good year before I understood who everybody was what our strengths were what our weaknesses are which is also important i'm one of i was the first we were the first ones to start tracking lost business because prior to mm. me arriving they never tracked what we lost but for me it's important because i like to be able to talk about there were seven features and six television series we didn't get last year that's several hundred millions of dollars that didn't yep. come into southwestern pa those yep. are several thousand jobs that we didn't get in southwestern pa so it's important you track your successes and your losses and learning all that stuff and learning how to do all that. But I'm learning every day. I, I learn more about what, what we have here and where things are still every day. Because well, 10 counties is a big region.
0: One, one It is a big region. and, and But back to traffic patterns. <laughs> Pittsburgh actually is not that hard to learn or understand. But it's confusing for a long time. But once you figure it out, then it's relatively simple. Although we do get some weird corners places.
1: Once you figure it out. Yeah, once, but before right. that. Because the streets change. You're on 7th Avenue and then you're on 7th Street. Where did 7th Avenue go? But and then it just goes, well, it's a triangle. It's not but a grid. But
0: the, the best thing are, are local Pittsburghers who are lifelong Pittsburghers trying to give someone directions and they'll give you directions by things that weren't there. You, if you go down this street, there used to be a, a Sunoco station there. It's no longer there, but you make a left there and you're going, where's he, where, where he or she talking about? So yeah, Pittsburgh, it's, it, once you learn it, it's actually a fairly simple place, but it does take a little while to learn it.
1: Well, I thought about it yesterday because I I do it in my sleep anymore. You know, I can drive anywhere now. Now I know where I went. But when I first moved back and lived in the South Hills, I had to use my GPS because I never came out here. I lived in the city. It's like, wait, where are we? How do we get there? But yeah. (laughs)
0: Um, Do you become involved in casting? No. Not at all?
1: No. We recommend our local casting directors. We're fortunate to have several. And we've got a large, strong base of local talent. Uh, We cast really high. I'm sorry
0: outstanding talent outstanding
1: here. local talent and we're lucky because you know some of it's attributed back to when Carnegie you know created the free library and made mm-hmm. all these donations that allowed for these local community theater groups to thrive and flourish and then you see what's where we are today. So there's all these people working in community theater that can give them, give these opportunities that we're bringing in to make them go national, right? Or international at this point. Um, So we talk about all that and we cast really high. So if there's a bunch of day players, you know, like the bartender asking, what do you want to drink? Or the waitress or some of those roles. uh, We're casting about 90% with local talent. So we talk about that, but we have nothing to do with casting.
0: Well, I've, I've been on the, I'm currently on one board and I've been on a different board of theaters, local theater companies, professional companies. And we have some of the best actors anywhere in the world. There's no question about it. They are some of the finest talented people you'll ever see. And they show up on screen and you go, oh, that's so-and-so. And they always do a great job, whoever they are.
1: Right. And it's, it's, and, the, and the producers notice it. They see it. They see it when they're in here casting. Sure and David they Venture found some great local talent while he was here. And we've had some really good success. All
0: right. What do you have in your office that's absolutely indispensable to doing your job? Ex- aside from your phone and your computer, do you have a whiteboard? What do you, what do, you do? How do you keep track of things?
1: Um, you'll laugh, but for a while, because when I first came, my goal when I got here, which was way back um, in 94, was we would get a television series in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. So for a long time, television series really only happened in Los Angeles or New York, um, primarily because talent has to sign a deal for five years when they do a television series talent my favorite was simon baker on the guardian when i met him he he said to you know he got to choose that they filmed in la but he was coming from australia so he knew la he knew new york he didn't know anything about pittsburgh and we had this conversation one day in la and he's like well i picked la because they made him come to pittsburgh four times a year to film the guardian which was super fun but my goal was to get a television series here well, at one point we had five television series shooting in one year, it was four years ago and a feature film. And I was so confused. So we started creating these. It's kind of a way it's, we print them on, you know, it's a color graph. So I know who's filming and where they are every day. Mm-hmm. And my office created it. You know, one of my smart talented individuals created this color graph so I could look and say, okay, mine hunters in the Aspen wall and man hunts over here. So I could keep track of where everybody was because and I, you have, I didn't and know you have-
0: and you had two hunts: Mine Hunter and Manhunt.
1: Mine Hunter and Manhunt was so confusing because they're both about serial killers, and the names are so similar that we all <laughs> keep talking about them wrong. But no, Mine Hunter is how we got Netflix here, and now they've been here multiple times. But and Manhunt, of course, was the Olympic Bomber thing. But um, but I, I keep a colored chart so I know who, where everybody is, so that I keep track.
0: All right. So the the entertainment industry, the motion picture and TV industry in particular, are just packed with various pressure-packed situations. It's a pressure business. You certainly have, have dealt with certain amounts of pressure over your uh, tenure at, at the Pittsburgh Film Office. What do you do to handle pressure? What's your trick? I work out. <laughs> that's, that's how you blow off steam is to work out?
1: I- I, if I don't work out every day, I'm really cranky. But yeah, I mean, part of this is, I, I get told a lot I take it all too personally, but it is all personal to me. And you know, I fight to the end to make sure my people are still working here locally and that we get the work and I'm really competitive. So um, I had this conversation with the producer last week about, I go, well, they'll call us back. And I said, don't worry, I'll keep calling until they do which is a film industry thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like you call someone, you leave a message and you give them a couple hours, you call again. Most people are a little more polite than that. And sometimes I have to remind myself that, oh wait, this is a, this is a normal world. But I work out, I take my dogs for a walk, I read. I, uh, I try to make my mind go to sleep at night. It doesn't always work, but.
0: Be- because it's sort of nonstop, isn't it? It just keeps going. It is
1: nonstop. Right now it's not, of course, but um, yeah, usually it's, there's five different things going on and everything needs an answer and it all had to happen yesterday.
0: Well, so, so yeah. right now you've had the pressure taken off of you by the fact that there are no productions, but the pressure's on you because you need productions.
1: I need productions. I've got too many people on unemployment, much yep. like the world, right? We yep. need everyone to go back to work. So we're hoping to do it safe, safe and safely,
0: soon. but safely is the key. And, and that's yep. still to be worked out because movie sets, TV sets are people on top of each other. There's an, almost no getting around it.
1: And you share things, right? You share tools. You're both looking at the same script. You're in the same scene. You know, the thing I saw from the Screen Actors Guild Mm -hmm. was when they talked about, look, we're the only employees that go to work and have to kiss somebody as part of our job. Absolutely. So, um, although I read Bold and Beautiful, they're having the spouses, if there's a spouse come in and be the stand-in for the kissing scenes.
0: Really? I thought that
1: was brilliant.
0: (laughs) Except that the poor stand-ins are then at risk.
1: True. There you go. But it's, it's not but like if it's,
0: you can't get away from it. Or,
1: I know. Yeah. But I thought it was really funny. You're like, Oh, I'm bringing my wife to work. Cause I've got a kissing scene today. I just thought it was funny.
0: <laughs> okay. So what's the, if you, if you can, what's the biggest disaster that you've been involved in that was like, Holy mackerel, this is a mess. And how did you resolve it? How did you help to make it work?
1: Biggest disaster. Um, the Michael Keaton movie with Andy Garcia, desperate measures um we spent three months working with one melon bank to turn that into a hospital i don't know if you remember the movie but andy garcia is I, a I criminal yeah oh you got to see it i, I will um, not. Andy, Gar- andy garcia was so much fun as was michael keaton but um and i don't always get to meet talent but i did get to meet both of them um but andy garcia is a criminal michael keaton is a policeman or police officer of some sort and his son needs a bone marrow transplant and the only person in the entire world who's a match is Andy Garcia, right? So it's yeah. this whole thing about trying to convince him to do it. And the One Mellon Bank plays a brand new modern hospital and Allegheny Courthouse plays the old Crummy Hospital and they're connected by a bridge that we had built. Um, in Mars PA, it's now used as part of a Rails to Trails program. That's where that $200,000 bridge went, but it was a pedestrian bridge that went across. Mm-hmm. But we spent months working with engineers and setting up the whole deal. And I was going on vacation. I was leaving for Hawaii. (laughs) (laughs) I'm at the airport and the production manager called me and said, "Um, Mellon Bank just said, we can't use the bank.
0: Oh man.
1: And I was like, what, what? No, we've been having like, we've met with everyone, but nobody had bothered to tell the then CEO who was Frank Cowett that we were making a movie and that these conversations have been going on. So from what I understand happened is someone mentioned it to Mr. Cowett that, oh, hey, we're going to do a movie. He goes, Well, that's not going to work. No, I don't think so. And kept on going. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we had to go back and start all over. And thankfully, it all worked out. Mr. Cowett was great and came through. But at the time, it was like, we've just lost their main location. Like they'd already paid to have the bridge built. They'd already paid to do everything.
0: Did you get on your plane? Did you get to your plane on time?
1: I did get on my plane on time and thankfully, due to a lot of our relationships locally with many elected officials, we made lo- I made lots and lots of phone calls and um, <laughs> okay. we got it done. I really should tell you the cheesecake story though because the cheesecake story is funnier. We always get stuff donated for the party, the Lights Glamour action event. Yes. Um, so Cheesecake Factory had donated cheesecakes to us and said, you can have them, but you've got to, they had to give them to us a month before the party and we had to have somewhere to freeze them. So we didn't know this until they called and said, you got to come pick up these cheesecakes. So again, I'm sitting on an an airplane then. I was on my way to the Sundance Film Festival. So I was on a (laughs) Southwest flight and I used to fly from Pittsburgh to LA and then I would take the LA flight up to Utah because I'd see all the clients on that flight because it was a busy flight. Well, our flight got diverted to Las Vegas and we sat on the ground for five hours and all the people around me, all they could hear me was calling everyone, every hotel, every restaurant, looking for a place to put the cheesecake, (laughs) (laughs) And then by the end of it, they were like, oh my God, they started cheering when I finally got one. I think it was the convention center who ended up letting it, no, it was the Grand Concourse restaurant. The Grand Concourse gave us the uh, place to put the cheesecakes because they had room. (laughs) But in the meantime, because they were all tired of listening to me, I got one of the flight attendants to hand over the microphone in Las Vegas to the filmmakers on board so they could start pitching their product and their projects that were gonna be at Sundance to everyone on the plane. Oh, wow. So we made it like this whole party. So people are getting up, going, "Hey, I'm in. Re- I'm gonna edit on this one show. I need this." So we started all these relationships on the plane um, while I did my. Because they all had heard me on the cheesecake calls. Because every time when the plane stopped, I was like, "Okay, I gotta get the cheesecake candles." Um, so it was just kind of fun. So we did that, and then um, I got Southwest to do that, and then they sent me a free airline ticket to anywhere I wanted to fly because I kept everybody happy on the ground wow. while we sat in Vegas for five hours.
0: Wow and so you're you're part of what you do you're a connector aren't you you're a matrix I am a connector
1: it's yeah it's I'm a problem solver and a connector so
0: so you've obviously worked with plenty of uh, executives producers studios etc over time Um, when somebody at one of these places where they can notoriously be unhappy about things and sometimes that unhappiness turns into anger um, when you have somebody coming at you and really barking at you what do you do to to tone that down?
1: Well, in the old days, I used to cry. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten a much thicker skin since then. Because a lot of times it's, you know, the threats. We're never going to film in Pittsburgh again. This right. is all Pittsburgh's fault, that kind of right. stuff. Um, I just listen. I just let them talk. Once they're done, I'm like, all right, let's see what we can do to fix it. Um, but in the old days, I used to be like, oh my God, they hate us. What are we going to do? But- so,
0: so when you do that, you're actually taking all the wind out of their sails, aren't you? Yes. Just by listening
1: just by, you know, people want to be heard. People want to be seen. They want to be heard. Um, And you're not arguing with them.
0: You're not arguing with them. So you're taking the wind out of their sails. They don't know where to go with that. They're used to people yelling back at them. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, believe it or not, we've been talking for not quite an hour. And um, so you've just told us some two excellent stories. Do you have any other stories that are oddball or strange or funny or quirky from all your experiences? Um,
1: well, because I, I, I thought about this for you, but the current one, because American Pickle is going to come out here yeah. in a couple of weeks. You know, I've August. already seen the
0: trailer. The trailer looks interesting.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a funny, it's going to be funny. Um, it's a funny premise, but they called while they were here and said, hey, I need some snow. I'm like, yeah, okay. No, but we need clean snow because it, it's winter, right? It hit snowed a little bit, but not enough. So I started calling way up north. So we started in Erie and then worked our way down. And I was calling these boroughs and asking them if they had, if we could send a plow up to get one, clear one of their parking lots. They all thought I was crazy. Like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I need a truckload full of snow. Cause they were filming at Heartwood Acres. There wasn't enough snow at Hartwood Acres. Mm-hmm. We couldn't use the chemical base that they usually use to make snow. Like it has some chemical in it. So they didn't want that in the park. Right. So we were trying to find clean snow and, I still know those borough managers in those upper towns at Bay Erie coming all the way back down. They thought I was crazy. And finally, one guy got on the phone with me. He goes, okay, honey, listen to me. How are you getting the snow here? I said, well, I thought I'd just put it in a truck and drive it. He's like, okay, you're going to have one big ice cube. Because it never occurred to me. Like, it was all going to condense while it was Sure. So that was our you know that's the most recent quirky <laughs> oddball thing so you know watch american pickle and look at it and see if, if you see the snow but um the airport had snow pittsburgh international they hadn't cleaned the runway yet so we were able to get them some clean snow and then it started snowing of course so it all became moot but yeah we look for weird stuff all the time
0: well i'll i'll, I'll certainly going back to the dark night i'll never forget it they were simulating winter in the middle of july in downtown Pittsburgh, yes. and they and, put phony snow down on the street, and it was there for a long time.
1: And it had to be cleaned. I think a total of four times. And I think you can still find some there today. <laughs> you,
0: could, you could find you could find it in the window sills. When you'd walk down the street, they'd be up in the window sills, where they I guess they couldn't get up there. Where you'd have well, to well, and in the
1: cracks in the asphalt, like yes. it was all this paper-based snow, and it, it literally the street sweepers went through it. We kept trying and trying and trying and trying. It was a mess.
0: It was winter in July in Pittsburgh. Well, that that doesn't. Count compute at all. So all right, (laughs) last question for you. Um, uh, For those who are trying to make it into the business or into your line of work or into the motion picture industry, because certainly you can give advice on that too. Do you have a solid piece of advice or a tip that will help them to sort of either break in or get to the next level?
1: Um, You got to show up, right? You show up and you're the best one at what they've asked you to do. This industry, unlike most, doesn't have a direct pathway to success. Mm -mm. Um, If you and I wanted to be a doctor, we know we got to go to college and we got to go to medical school and we got to be a resident and then you get to be a doctor, right? This industry doesn't work this way. You know, there's everybody starts at an entry level position. You come in as a production assistant. You might be, you know, able to be an assistant in the camera department or somewhere else, but you're always at the bottom and you need to be the best one there to work your way up. And you got to show up with a good attitude. And if they tell you to go get coffee, you go get coffee. If they tell you to empty the trash, you empty the trash. But you mm-hmm. have to show up and realize you've got to build these relationships to work your way up. This is, this is one of the only industries that work this way. Yeah, so absolutely. it's what I tell everyone. You just got to start and keep going. And you got to be serious about it.
0: There is no substitute for, for being a humble at the beginning of your career. Exactly. And, and I've known plenty of people, myself included, that thought they were better than they were at the very beginning of their career. And that hurts you a little bit. So being humble and taking those kinds of jobs are really the smart way in, which we, we tell all, all of our students that now, just exactly what you're saying, which I think is absolutely splendid advice that if you want to be something in the business, you've got to start at the bottom and
1: learn your way up. Right keep not- building on those relationships because especially here in Pittsburgh I get a lot of people because I was in LA for 10 years and I'd have my interns because we run a strong internship program hey I want to move to LA can you give me some advice I'm like yeah stay in Pittsburgh mm-hmm. um we've got the business coming there because you know every day there's thousands of people who come to Los Angeles that have all the same dream and they want to be successful well in Pittsburgh you're only competing with hundreds then right and you're able to get in and do some things um, that you may not have those opportunities but you're still building those same relationships Sure. So, Important that you're able to do it.
0: Have you seen a few people come out of Pittsburgh and do okay in LA?
1: Oh yeah. Several of our former interns are all working full time in Los Angeles there and have worked their way up and they're and they're doing some really great things. So yeah, there we've got a great pipeline between Pittsburgh and LA um, for people who want to go out there and live. But most of them want to come back too. So
0: <laughs> Well, like like me, I was gone for 40 years and moved back. So yeah. There exactly. You have it. Don Keiser this has just been a fantastic hour I so greatly appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today on Story Beat this has been so much fantastic information for people that are interested in making movies in, in western Pennsylvania or frankly just about anywhere
1: well thank you for having me it's been a lot of fun
0: and so we've come to the end of today's Story Beat if you like this podcast, please take a moment to give us a rating or review on whatever app or platform you're listening to. Your support helps us bring more great story beat episodes to you. Until next time, I'm Steve Cuden and may all your stories be unforgettable.